Napa know-how. It takes a lot to get excited about a bag, but most bags can't save you 20% on auto parts. That's 20% off headlamps, 20% off oil filters, 20% off virtually anything you can fit inside the 99-cent Napa reusable bag. So tell your buddies, there's a bag they just have to check out. Quality parts, helpful people. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. At participating Napa Auto Parts stores while supplies last. Minimum three items. Exclusions apply. Offer ends 10-31-17. You are Locked On Magic, your daily podcast on the Orlando Magic. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team, every day. And you are indeed Locked On Magic. Today is December 1st, 2016. My name is Philip Rossmanreich. I'm the expert and site editor over at OrlandoMagicDaily.com. And no guests for you today, but we do have a big show, a show that I've been promising for quite a while. We're going to talk about some big picture issues on today's show. First, we'll preview, of course, Thursday's game as the Magic take on the Memphis Grizzlies. And then I'm going to talk about some big picture issues. Uh, First off, where the Magic are at in their rebuild as now we've gotten one month of the season under our belt and the inconsistent month of basketball as well. So I'll talk about where the Magic are at and what their future will look like and then dive into some players that might be available on the trade market. I know that's something that a lot of you have been asking me about and so I'll provide some of my thoughts about what the Magic can do as the trade market will really begin to open up in 15 days and I think we all anticipate the Magic being very, very involved in that uh, discussion. But before we get going with today's show, I do want to say a quick word from our pals at SeatGeek. The NBA season is back, and SeatGeek is the smartest, easiest way to find tickets for the games you want to see up close and in person this season. There's nothing like being at the game for the biggest plays of the year, and with SeatGeek, it's never been easier to get the seats you want for a great value. SeatGeek has the best deals on every ticket in the house, wherever you want to sit. Whether that's courtside, the club seats, the upper level, the O-Zone, uh, over at the Bud Light, ba- Bud Light Baseline Bar, although you don't need a ticket to, to stand there, but, but you know, you, you, you can stand there. It's, it's, all, it's all good. It's a good view from the concourse over at the Amway Center. And I have the SeatGeek app. It's, it's what I use on my phone, and it's by far the easiest way I found to shop for tickets. I can be anywhere, literally anywhere. And with just a few taps, I can instantly find seats for this weekend or any game this season, such as next Wednesday's game, uh, as the Orlando Magic take on the Boston Celtics when they get back from this long road trip. You can even get tickets to, say, WrestleMania. That's coming up in April, and I know tickets already went on sale for that. I got my tickets. If you want to go to probably the biggest sporting event Orlando is going to see the entire year, uh, SeatGeek's probably a good place to go check out uh, for tickets uh, this season. With SeatGeek, you always get the best deal on every ticket because SeatGeek price compares for you by searching multiple ticket sites. Prices can vary depending on where you shop, but SeatGeek will always find you the lowest available price. That's what makes them so great. And SeatGeek wants to help you get the most bang for your buck. That's why every ticket on SeatGeek is given a grade based on value. If you go to SeatGeek, you'll see all these green and orange dots. Green means good. Orange means okay. Red means you should probably wait and see if if you can wait out a better deal. You'll immediately see as you log on to any event on SeatGeek, any enterprise seats, and be able to find the best deals that fit your budget. Plus... Every ticket you buy on SeatGeek is backed by their 100% guarantee. And best of all, my listeners get a $20 rebate off their first SeatGeek purchase. Here's what you have to do to get the $20 rebate. Download the SeatGeek app. Go to the settings tab and click add a promo code. Enter the promo code LOMAGIC and SeatGeek will send you $20 after you've made your first ticket purchase. 
Download the Tiki Cap and enter promo code LOMAGIC today. And, of course, the Magic are still out on this uh, East Coast road trip of sorts. Uh, first big road trip of the season. We saw them get that big win last night, or Tuesday night, rather, against the San Antonio Spurs. If you missed the last two episodes of Locked on Magic, you can, of course, go back into our archives on iTunes and Audio Boom, Audio Boom, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, all those fun places where you can get podcasts. We spoke with Locked on Spurs' Jeff Garcia to, to preview the game on Tuesday's episode, and then Wednesday we got together and recapped the game as well from both the Magic and the Spurs perspective. Always good to hear someone else's perspective uh, on the team as well, uh, and I'll talk a little bit, uh, I'm sure I'll be referencing parts of uh, of uh, yesterday's episode as well later on as we had a clip from Dunked on Basketball as well. But on to the task at hand. Tonight, the Orlando Magic take on the Memphis Grizzlies, and of course Memphis was dealt a heavy, heavy blow earlier this week uh, on Monday uh, in as the Grizzlies took on the Charlotte Hornets. Mike Conley went down with a uh, really scary back injury. It, it, the doc, from, from what I've been reading uh, from the Twitter doctors, it's not a super serious back injury. It does require uh, four to six weeks at least out. Um, so the Grizzlies will be without probably... Their heart and soul, the guy that makes their their offense go in Mike Conley, I, I think uh, I didn't get a chance to watch a lot of the Grizzlies this year, but looking at the statistics and what Conley has done this year, um, I, I think it's relatively safe to say that, that Conley was not only earning the, the very rich contract that he got this summer, but seemed to be on his way to cracking, finally cracking that all-star team, if, if, even though he hadn't made one yet. Uh, very clearly, Mike Conley is one of the best players in the league that has not made an all-star team. Probably the best player in the league that has not made an all-star team yet. So the Grizzlies are without Mike Conley. They played Wednesday night against the Toronto Raptors, and they looked pretty good. Um, definitely a lot of energy, a lot of opportunity for a lot of players on that team, and they went out and performed. They took the Toronto Raptors to task and push them to the limit. Now, Toronto did eventually pull away. I, I don't think that part was surprising. But Memphis stayed in this game much longer than I think a lot of people thought they might. The final score, 120-105 to 105, uh, for the Raptors, but Memphis was in that game much longer than the, than the margin would suggest. Uh, they just out, they got outscored 65-48 to 48 in the second half. Um, just the offense became too much for them. Uh, some notable stats on that team. All five starters scored in double figures. Andrew Harrison, 21 points, 7 for 12 shooting, 4 for 5 from beyond the arc. Really, just a really plucky player um, filling in that role for Mike Conley. Troy Williams has been really good for them. And of course, everyone knows who Marcus All is, what he's all about. Memphis is a very different team than what people think. They're still pretty good defensively. They still don't play at the fastest pace. They're kind of like the Magic. They run when they can, but they're not trying to outscore. They're not trying to like flat out outscore teams with a barrage of possessions. They're trying to be smart and, and methodical as well. But Gasol's starting to hit threes. Uh, they they're playing a much more open uh, spacing type of play, but. That may have to change for, for first-time coach Dave Fisdale as he deals with this injury. They don't have a lot of depth at point guard. Like I said, Andrew Harrison, the rookie uh, from Kentucky, he spent last year in the D-League. Uh, he started at point guard. 21 points, had a pretty solid game, uh, but I imagine Memphis expended a lot of energy in this game. Uh, they do have some weapons, though, that the Magic do need to be aware of. Jermichael Green is, is a big hustle player. 
Uh, Troy Williams, like I said, is a big hustle player. He's had a really strong start to the season. Andrew Harrison can make threes, as can Troy Daniels. Everyone probably remembers him from that playoff series with the Rockets and the Blazers a few years ago. Hit a big game, hit a big game-winning shot, I believe, in Game Four uh, to uh, extend that series, uh, which Portland eventually won in six games on the Damian Lillard game winner that uh, it's replayed pretty often. This should be a Magic win. I mean, I, I I don't want to say any win is in the bag. The Magic have not proven that they can beat beat anybody, but Memphis coming off a back-to-back, uh, expending as much energy as they did in Toronto, coming back to Memphis to play a rested Magic team, a confident Magic team after Tuesday's game. If Orlando wants to prove that they're playoff caliber, that they're playoff worthy, this is their opportunity to do so. Tuesday's win means nothing if the Magic do not back it up with a win in Memphis and get off to a 2-0 start on this road trip. Uh, The Magic certainly are capable of doing it. Toronto really struck, but they got to watch out for one big thing. Memphis stayed in this game because of Toronto's turnovers. DeMar DeRozan had seven turnovers on his own. Jonas Valanciunas, four. Team finished with 18 total turnovers, which Memphis turned into uh, 20, which turned into... uh, uh, 18 points, I believe. Um, Memphis will turn the ball over themselves. They, they don't have a lot of a lot of the, the top end talent, so Orlando is going to be able to put some pressure on them defensively. Um, if the Magic play defense the way that we know they're capable of playing defense, they should get plenty of opportunity to get back down the floor and get into that offensive rhythm that they found on Tuesday. The big thing to watch out for again is is the Magic turnovers, which they have struggled with at times this season. They can't let Memphis get easy buckets. They got to make them work in the half court where. They don't have the skill players outside of Marcus Soul to to do a lot of these things. Uh, Zach Randolph was not with the team in Toronto. I, I don't know what his status will be uh, for this game. Vince Carter didn't play on Wednesday either, so maybe he's back. Maybe he's back. I, I saw some Memphis fans talking that maybe Marcus Soul will get the night off. Uh, so it, it's not quite clear what kind of team Orlando is going to see from Memphis, but they play hard. They still do a lot of the same kind of grit and grind things. They still play. They still have some very good defenders. It's not going to be an easy win by any stretch of the imagination. What the Magic need to do is they need to be able to wear this team out, uh, attack when they can, get easy buckets when they can, and rely on their defense, and they should have every opportunity at a win. And again, entering this road trip on a four-game losing streak with the way that they lost those games, the Magic came out with a lot of urgency, uh, or they didn't come out with a lot of urgency, but they found a lot of urgency. They played a really strong game, their best game of the season in San Antonio. That win means nothing if they come out flat and lose this game in Memphis. To start this road trip off 2-0 would be a huge victory for the Magic. Not anything to rest your laurels on, mind you, because Friday night is a game in Philadelphia. You, that's a game that the Magic figure they should win, uh, but a tough back-to-back in Philadelphia, of course, was supposed to play a game Wednesday night, but did not because of uh, moisture on the floor. So Philadelphia will be very well rested heading into that game. Joel Embiid's minutes are going to be up up to 28 minutes as well. We'll have a complete preview of that game uh, on uh, t- on tomorrow's episode, or we'll, we'll I'll briefly talk about that game on tomorrow's episode after recapping the Magic's game against the Grizzlies. So an interesting game against Memphis. It, it's it's you don't really know who that team is right now. Um, so Magic have to rely on their defensive principles, find that offensive rhythm again, and hopefully pick up a win. But I know what everyone wants to talk about right now is something that is much larger 
than the individual games. The Orlando match, and and it's I've seen this come up in several different respects throughout the season, uh, and in different ways that that maybe uh, people aren't expecting. There are really two distinct camps right now. I think when it comes to the Magic's season, there's the camp that believes this team needs to make the playoffs at all costs, that they've had four years and haven't really gone anywhere and are sick and tired of watching a losing product. I've unfortunately read a lot of stories this year of fans who are giving up their season tickets, who are um, deciding not to watch this team anymore, bought the fast break pass in the fall, aren't deci- are deciding not to buy it again in the winter, uh, aren't finding joy in watching this team, and I, you know, I can't fault them for that decision. I don't. I'm not calling them fair weather fans at all. This is a this is an entertainment product, and teams that struggle to score the way the Magic are struggling to score, the worst offense in the league, and 95.6 points per 100 possessions. Those teams are tough to watch, and this Magic offense is not aesthetically pleasing. Their defense has been very good, but that isn't necessarily enough. And when you look at a metric like net rating, which is uh, the difference between offensive and defensive rating, so it's a, the a margin of points per 100 possessions, it's a much better measure of how teams are actually performing. The Magic are 27th in the league, which would suggest that this team is not going to achieve that goal and make the playoffs. So it's, there's like two, so again, there's two distinct camps. There's the camp that says, Magic need to push in and go for the playoffs at all costs. I don't care about the future. I want to watch an entertaining product. And and there's the camp that's, that says the Magic were so stupid to try and push in for the playoffs. This team isn't a playoff team. They're not ready. They're not ready or they push the pace too fast. And now we have to restart all over again. We have to find our star, which is, of course, the big reason why you tank for two years like the Magic did to try and get that star. The young players aren't working out. The GM, which of, which of course Brian Schmitz of the Orlando Sentinel has already suggested is on the hot seat. I, I don't think that takes a genius to see um, at this point that Rob Hennigan's job is very much under pressure uh, to, to produce results this year. Um, but there's certainly the, 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 the camp in the current that says Magic need to blow this whole thing up, restart the rebuild, do it right this time, be patient, wait for that star like Philadelphia did, build the young assets, and then push forward naturally, which... I do kind of think the Magic were doing, but obviously I think that the team had a little bit of a ceiling. And then, of course, there's the camp that, that that's pretty much just me right now that's just like, let's wait and see. It's still December. I like this team's defense a lot. They're actually, after tonight's games, a top five defense in the league, 101.3 defensive rating. That will get you in the conversation, people. Um, I, I, I'm in the wait and see approach. It's still too early to me to make decisions of whether to pack it in for the season and tank or to push all your chips in. There's still a long way to go, but we'll, we'll entertain those notions for now. What most people want to know is how did we get here? What went wrong and and how do the Magic move forward? How do they make these moves to make this team competitive? Because ultimately, at the end of the day, uh, whether you're Alex Martins, whether you're Rob Hennigan, whether you're whether you're a fan sitting in Section 101, Row A, whether you're a fan in Section 222 uh, or 322, I don't even know what the what the sections are uh, at the top of the Amway Center. Uh, 
whether whether you're in the on the terrace on the terrace level, the promenade level, you know, way up in the nosebleeds, whether you bought the fast break pass, what everyone wants is this team to be successful. I, I don't think there's any malice of trying to destroy this franchise in any, in any way. There's plenty of there's plenty of blame that's gone around from uh, on our on our side on a lot of Magic Daily. I have my theories on what went wrong and and who's ultimately to blame. Um, you know, certainly players didn't develop the way the Magic had hoped they would develop. Um, but clearly, entering this season, something went kind of wrong. Went, went. They, they, the Magic recognized that something wasn't quite right and decided now was the time to push their chips in. The question that's been asked, and it was asked uh, asked about a week ago now, is were the Magic right to make this decision and and sort of ditch their rebuild? And I think that's a very difficult question to answer. Eventually, when you draft a lot of players, you do have to pay them. The Magic paid Nikola Vucevic, they paid Tobias Harris, they paid Evan Fournier, and they were getting ready to face a decision to pay Victor Oladipo. They'd gone four years, they'd advanced from 20 wins to 23 wins to 25 wins to 35 wins, and, and you know, I certainly took a lot of heat for saying, you know, I felt very satisfied with last year's season. There are definitely some things that needed to be improved on, definitely some work that needed to be done to add to the roster, but... 10-win improvements, nothing to laugh at. I still believed in the talent and the roster that they could continue to take that, take some steps forward, add in, a, add in a key veteran to anchor the team a little bit until someone evolves into a star, and you might have something. The Magic clearly were not in the patient mood this summer, and why they weren't in the patient mood is beyond anyone's guess. I mean, I have my theories. I'm sure you have your theories, but the Magic, whatever the ultimate reasoning was, decided it was time to push forward. And and I think some of it had to do with they wanted more of a sure thing. They wanted to know that this is a team that can make the playoffs because this Magic franchise is not used to being out of the playoffs this long. It's been four years since the Magic made the playoffs. That's tied for the longest playoff drought in team history. Uh, so you got to remember... You know, a guy like, you know, uh, I, I'm not going to single him out too much, but a guy like Alex Martins has been with the organization since the very beginning, except for, I think, five or six years um, in the late 90s and uh, early 2000s. He's been, he's, he's, I mean, say what you want about his management or rumors about, about how he's interacted with the basketball operations staff. That dude is a magic lifer. As much as much as I am, as much as a lot of a lot of fans are, who you know, the Magic have dubbed at one point the Magic Generation, um, the, the first generation of fans who grew up with the Orlando Magic. As much as people who've had season tickets for for twenty years now, there is a little bit of impatience, and again, that current is in the Magic fan base. Uh, I I won't deny it. I've I've I interact with it all the time. I get yelled at it all the time for preaching patience when when perhaps patience isn't what people want to hear right now. And so the Magic left at the opportunity to take a step forward. Whether they were right or not is another question. It started with the Tobias Harris trade, which I think we can all universally pan because the Magic did not get a good return on Tobias Harris. They opted for cap room. However they were going to spend it, they opted for cap room, which is, is and is not a good decision because they got Bismack Biombo or they got Jeff Green, whoever you want to plug into that into that cap space that they created. They they went for cap room. The miscalculation there, of course, was that it was a summer that everyone had cap room. They weren't going to get involved in the Kevin Durant sweepstakes. They 
weren't chasing after Mike Conley for whatever reason. They weren't, in, they, they, from all accounts, they weren't interested in Harrison Barnes as much as maybe some people would have liked them to be. They targeted Bismack Biombo on day one. That was the guy they were going after. Even after they acquired Serge Ibaka and cashed in that Victor Oladipo chip. The Magic may or may not have been right to ditch their rebuild. I, 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 I tend to say rebuilds are not necessarily straight lines. When you're rebuilding a team, I think what you really want to see is consistent and constant improvement, even if it's slow. I tell people all the time, there are no timelines on rebuilds. They happen naturally. And at certain points, yes, general managers have to make their money on the risks and decisions that they make. How they move those chess pieces, whether they sacrifice this piece for another piece to succeed. Those are where GMs make their money. And certainly, the Magic stayed pretty patient. And then all of a sudden, they started pushing everything toward the center of the table. And I think that's the part of the process. And again, there's that, there's that word again that GMs like to throw around. It, it, it is a buzzword, but I do think it has merit. When you push all your chips into the table the way the Magic did, it does change the calculus a lot. I don't know if now was the right time to push those chips in. I suspect the Magic weren't willing to pay Victor Oladipo the max. They uh, did not believe he could be the star that they need. And you cripple a franchise much more overpaying a young player like that and putting your faith in him, even if you don't know if he can fulfill that role, then you do maybe pushing it in and getting a veteran in return like Serge Ibaka, who you know can do certain things and seeing if he becomes worth a contract down the road. I think Magic fans were a little sour on Serge Ibaka those first few games because he really struggled, but now he's looked a lot better. And... You know, we described that trade at one point as a win-win for both teams. I watched the Oklahoma City Thunders game tonight against the Washington Wizards. Oladipo had a fantastic game. He's looked a lot better shooting-wise. He is in a perfect role for what the Thunder need. Serge Ibaka has, I think, really begun to figure out his role really well with this Magic team. Uh, and we've seen his uptick. Um, I, I plan on talking a little bit more about him. Uh, hopefully tomorrow. It may have to wait till next week. But I, I will I will talk a little bit more about Serge Ibaka. And now he's emerged in the last few games uh, pretty soon on, on the podcast. But he's been much better and much more of what the Magic need uh, uh, so far this season. So again, is that the right time? When we look at this Magic team now, 18 games into the season, almost 20 games of the season, almost a quarter of the way through the season, we're left with questions of whether this group actually fits together. We're left with questions of wondering what is this team's future. That's why I'm having this conversation right now. We see flashes of this team's potential. After four years of talking about building a tough-minded defensive identity, the Magic finally have one. That is a step in the right direction of a rebuild. The problem is this team is under immense pressure and expectation to make the playoffs. And there is the rub. It's not that the Magic ditched their rebuild. It's that the Magic succumbed to expectation. Succumbed to a timeline that 
they had to meet. And I think that is where this pressure that's been swirling throughout the season really comes to a head. When you make decisions to meet these sort of artificial deadlines, that is when you make mistakes for your franchise. That is when your team becomes desperate. And as we all know, des- desperation can desperation can either lead to excellence and you, you take the necessary risk and get the necessary reward, or it can lead to mistakes and dig you further and further deeper into the hole. The Magic at the end of last season clearly needed some change. So I don't think pushing the chips in was the wrong decision. I think that the pressure to make the playoffs was very real. I think that there's clearly a, there's been signals at least sent. I have no clue if this is true, but there's clearly been signals sent that missing the playoffs is unacceptable this year. And that jobs are on the line for it. And that does cause the strategy and the process to change just a little bit. And that's why you saw the Magic make the moves that they made. Now it's about putting the results on the court. It's no longer about what's going to happen two, three years from now. It's about what happens this year. That's why Mario Azonia is on the bench. That's why Aaron Gordon has been in and out of the starting lineup. That's why Jeff Green is playing. Because Jeff Green does a lot of things wrong and doesn't make a huge impact. But he's always in the right spot defensively, and the Magic and Frank Vogel can rely on him to be in the right spot and stay out of people's way. Frank Vogel's had to search through this roster to find something that works, and it appears the last two games that he's found something that works. But we'll see how long that lasts. This is a mismatched roster. This is a roster that was hastily put together without much of a plan or perhaps a lot of miscalculations. And now that the Magic are in playoff or bus mode, those misca- those miscalculations get more extreme scrutiny. Because it's no longer about getting from 35 to 40 wins. It's about doing whatever it takes to make the playoffs. Progress isn't the goal in and of itself. It's something something else, something external, rather than something internal as it has been for the last few years. And of course, a big step in improving this roster and achieving that goal is going to be what opens up December 15th, and that is the NBA trade market. The Magic are in an interesting spot with this trade market. They don't have a lot of great assets. I want to put that on the table first. uh, Evan Fournier, Bismack, Biombo are virtually untradeable at this point. I'm not saying they can't be traded, but they both signed new long-term deals. I doubt teams are going to want to take on that extra money. The Magic are also right up against, are, are over the cap, I believe. They're either right up against the cap or over the cap at this point. So they can't take on extra money. They got to send out as much money as they bring in. So that means their most valuable asset is probably Serge Ibaka, who's on an expiring deal that's at around, I think, $15, $16 million. That means one of the more valuable assets is going to be Aaron Gordon, promising young player, cast in the wrong position, maybe in the wrong role, who another team may very well believe in still and want to bring in and be willing to give up something for. Another important asset's going to be Jeff Green, a one-year $15 million deal. He, like I said... Doesn't do anything spectacular. Probably does a lot of things very poorly. But 
he knows where to be on the court defensively. He knows how to play help side, and he's just a, a, a good veteran in a lot of ways. The Magic could also perhaps shop around Alfred Payton. I don't know what kind of value he has. Mario Hazonia could certainly be on the table. C.J. Watson's got an expiring deal um, next, or not an expiring deal. He's got a semi, uh, a partially guaranteed deal next summer uh, or next season. So he's he could become a very valuable trade ship as well. Nikola Vucevic, of course, is a potential trade ship. A very affordable contract for a guy who's a double-double machine even off the bench. Uh, so, so, uh, and his defense has improved dramatically this year. He's not he's not happy about not starting for the Magic, but who's to say he would be he would be uh, as upset not starting for another team that's competing for a playoff spot? As always, to get something, you've got to give up something, and I think at this point, no player on the Orlando Magic is completely untouchable. The Magic do not have that star to build around yet. That's that's why they're in the situation they're in. But they do need to find something that is going to make the roster better. Because you look at this team, and it does seem to have a fatal flaw. It's poorly constructed um, as far as piece players that work well together. And so, what are the Magic looking for? That's that's the first step to determining who's who's going to be available in this trade market and, and who the Magic are looking to get. Obviously, they need some offense. And I think shooting is a, is a bigger is almost as big of an issue as as creation. I know a lot of people have focused on the big names and I'll talk a little bit about some of the big names that are expected to be on the market, but I think Magic finding a shooter is a big deal. Suppose reportedly um, Frank Vogel said before they took off on the road trip that their Magic are hopeful that Jody Meeks returns to the lineup with Mario Hazonia not shooting the ball well at all. He's under 20% on three-point three-pointers. I know people want him to play but until he proves to the coach that he can play defense, it's tough to put him on the floor if he can't actually make shots because that's that's what was supposed to be his NBA skill. So he's got to rediscover an NBA skill before he gets into a rotation. Unless the Magic trade him to a situation that's willing to let him play through all kinds of mistakes. Getting Jody Meeks back, I think, will help the team because they need a shooter and that's what Jody Meeks does. He just shoots the ball and he's one of the best shooters. He's certainly probably, he's probably the best shooter on the team. So getting him back will allow the Magic to space the floor a little bit more. I, depending on how quickly he gets his win back, I would not be surprised if he gets a look at a starting lineup just to just to help that group space the floor a little bit. I think adding DJ Augustin relieved that pressure a little bit, so maybe Aaron Gordon stays around. But certainly keeping Meeks and Peyton together uh, couldn't be the worst thing in the world. Um, Watson's been a good shooter, but Meeks is a better Meeks is a much more consistent, better shooter. So I think the big thing that the Magic need first is shooting. They got to find shooters. But a lot of people, of course, want to focus on that primary score, that all-star piece that the Magic are missing. And, and we do have a post up on OrlandoMagicDaily.com right now um, stating that the Magic are clearly missing an all-star right now, uh, and that's something that's holding them back uh, from being successful. And it's hard to say if the Magic were at 500, were in the playoffs, and the East had to pick a representative from the Magic to be on the all-star team, it's hard to say who that guy is right now. I'd probably... I'd probably lean Serge Ibaka. Maybe that's an interesting exercise that we need to explore on another day, but uh, that's that's where we're at. And so getting that big... Uh, the bigger issue, though, with the All-Star is not necessarily a guy who scores 20 points per night. It's a guy who creates 
shots when there aren't shots to create. It's a guy you can give the ball to in those late shot clock situations, late in games, and will get a good shot that you feel comfortable making. It doesn't have to be an efficient guy. It just has to be a guy that can make those shots and and make the defense work and get the defense's attention when he has the ball in his hands. Those players are tough to find, as the Magic have found out. Uh, they don't really have that guy. Evan has tried to be that guy this year, uh, but he works a lot better coming off of pick and rolls. He works a lot better um, when he's able to attack a rotating defense rather than initiating that action. And that's that's something that the Magic are looking for. So, of course, there are a few names out there on the trade market, that, that on the potential trade market, of course, that could be that guy. A lot of Magic fans have focused on Rudy Gay. I know at one point last year I suggested the Magic trade for Rudy Gay. As I, I At the time, I posed it as... Rudy Gay is what the Magic want Tobias Harris to become. And so, why not just bring Rudy Gay in, that the fully actualized version of Tobias Harris, so to speak. Uh, let him play that role a little bit more featured than, than Harris was with Orlando. Uh, and hopefully that would bring the team's offense up a little bit uh, and get them back on track. That was, that was my thinking then. I'm not as much of a Rudy Gay fan now. He's scoring really, really well. There, of course, are rumors that he asked the Kings to trade him. He denied those, I believe. Um, but Gay is the kind of guy that uh, that that can create his own shot. He's done that throughout his career. He's a high-usage player. He's averaging, I think, 22 points per game so far this year. Um, he's a very, very capable player who... Uh, you know who who puts up points. That's that's what he's done his entire career. Um, my only concern with him is he's a bit of a he's a huge ball stopper. He's a one on one ISO player, and to me that's kind of the last thing the Magic need right now because their problem offensively is they don't have enough spacing on the floor and the ball gets stuck on one side with someone trying to ISO who can't. Maybe Gay can do a little bit more of that, free some space up for for everyone to get a few more looks at shots. Um, you know, just just take the defense's attention a little bit. Uh, I don't think it's the wrong risk to take. Uh, it just depends what you give up. And of course, that's the big question. What do the Magic have that the Kings want? Um, you know, would they take a Jeff Green for Rudy Gay straight, almost straight up? I mean, I think some other pieces have to be added. Um, would would they do something like that? Would they ask for Nikola Vucevic? Would they ask for Mario Azonia? What else could the Magic ask for? I think actually some of the secondary pieces that the Kings have to offer are a lot more interesting than, than Rudy Gay to me. I think Omri Caspi would be a really interesting addition to the Magic. He's someone that supposedly wants out of Sacramento or, or the Kings are interested in trading since his minutes have completely dwindled. He's a three-point shooting, 3-4 three, hybrid uh, that can, I think, space the floor and do what Damian Rudej was supposed to do coming off the bench with Aaron Gordon. Um, I think he can do that and, and help the Magic out tremendously with his shooting. I kind of wonder if Ben McLemore is available. Um, a favorite of mine during the 2013 draft, the Magic picked Oladipo. Absolute right pick. Oladipo's a better player. But McLemore can shoot the ball a little bit. Has had a really nice season this year. I don't believe, uh, I don't believe the, um, the Kings uh, probably offered him a, a, a qualifying offer or, or um, set him up for restricted free agency. So... Uh, you know, he's someone that you can still keep around a little bit, uh, but if it doesn't work out, you can let him walk and, and take the benefit of the cap room as well. So to me, the Kings are a really interesting trade partner. I think the Kings will be very active at the deadline trying to make their team better. They think they're a playoff team. 
uh, but they've got to uh, find some better balance. They know the Rudy Gay, DeMarcus Cousins thing doesn't work. Maybe they're looking for a point guard. Maybe they're interested in C.J. Watson. Maybe they're interested in, you know, maybe they're interested in Alfred Payton and the Magic can take someone back on that end as well or find another point guard somewhere. I, I'm not super confident in D.J. Augustine long-term as a starter, but um, Alfred Payton also hasn't quite inspired a lot of confidence either. Um, the Kings are a very, very interesting uh, trade partner. Um, there are some bigger names out there uh, that that could also be available. I think uh, Brandon Knight um, from the Phoenix Suns is a name that's been bandied about a little bit. Uh, a hybrid 1-2 has the ability to score, just hasn't been able to do it in Phoenix. He's really struggled, especially this year. Um, Phoenix has had that weird uh, revolving door of point guards. They've got Eric Bledsoe now. Uh, they've got Devin Booker now. So Brandon Knight's been pushed to the bench. He can put up points in a hurry. He's never been the most efficient player in the world, uh, but uh, Brandon Knight can put up points pretty quickly, a better shooter than anything the Magic have right now. So maybe putting him back in that primary role, at least as a Band-Aid with the group that the Magic have, maybe that can work. Again, the question is, what do you give up? What does Phoenix want? Well, they're clearly not going to want another point guard. They got plenty of those. Uh, But what do the Magic have that Phoenix wants? And to me, it seems like Phoenix is in a little bit of a rebuild mode. Um, they're not quite ready to take steps forward yet. Um, so they may just be looking for maybe some cap relief. Maybe Jeff Green is someone that they're looking to take take on uh, for taking Brandon Knight's contract. Maybe that's the direction that they're trying to go. I'm, I don't have a good feel for what they're looking for, uh, looking for there. But you stick Brandon Knight in a lineup with, you know, you know as a, the, the full-time point guard maybe with Evan Fournier, with uh, Aaron Gordon, with... Uh, Serge Ibaka and, and Bismack Biombo and Nikola Vucevic, and you've got the makings of an interesting lineup for sure. Uh, I don't know if that's a playoff lineup, uh, but you know maybe that's 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 an avenue that that the Magic explore. Uh, another guy that's been bandied about, although I don't think he's actually available, is Drew Holiday, um, New Orleans Pelicans point guard. He's he's back from the from his uh, personal personal uh, 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 absence uh, to be with his wife and and his and his newborn child. Um, Playing really, really well. The Pelicans are kind of back in the playoff race. I don't think the Pelicans are quite ready to deal yet. If they are, they're going to want someone that can help them immediately. Uh, uh, I don't know who that is. I don't know if they're so obsessed with with the the two cent the, the two bigs thing. Um, they'll probably whoever they're trading with, they're probably going to try and push Omer Ashik out the door. So that's the other risk, and I'll, I'll get to that in a little bit. The name that I bandied about a lot um, is uh, Danilo Gallinari of the Denver Nuggets. He's on an expiring contract. Can obviously score a little bit. Denver's in more of a rebuild. I don't know how much they want a veteran like him on the roster. To me, Danilo Gallinari is kind of the perfect guy, perfect type of player. I don't know if he's a perfect guy, but he's the perfect type of player to pair with Aaron Gordon because he'll play defense at the four, but offense at the three. He's a great shooter, can put up a lot of points. I think he's averaging near 20 points per game. Uh, so he's someone that can come in, maybe not create for you create for you off the dribble, but teams have to respect his shot. And so if you run an offensive you know, pick-and-roll system with a guy like Alfred Payton now, uh, you can have Evan Fournier, Danilo Gallinari, and Serge Ibaka uh, on the perimeter around you. That makes you a little bit more dangerous. I think Gallo can switch a, can switch a lot on defense too to hide his defensive inefficiencies. Uh, and of course, now you have like a Bismack Biombo there and a Serge Ibaka back there to help cover him up, which maybe he hasn't really had with, say, Kenneth Fareed uh, in Denver. So that, that's an interesting, interesting move, um, interesting idea at least. And so that's kind of like 
my early survey of who might be available in the trade market, I think it's this trade market isn't fully developed. So we're, we're talking about this at a very, very early stage. This is very infancy of, of where the Magic are looking at. And I think there are still a few more rules that we have to consider before we, we talk even more seriously about this, about making trades. And, and the big rule for me is, yes, the Magic want to get better, and yes, the Magic want to make the playoffs, but what they cannot, cannot do is sink a lot of long-term money in players that are not going to pan out for them. Danilo Gallinari, I believe, is expiring. I think Rudy Gay has one more year after this one. Uh, Brandon Knight, I think, has three more years. He'd be the biggest risk to me, although he might be the best, one of the better fits as far as guys that that, that I've discussed here. Um, it's it's really important that the Magic not take on the guy who just signed a f- five year deal or is is vastly overpaid and they're stuck with him for the next three or four years. That's that's the big thing the Magic need to be concerned about because if this season fails or you know fails a strong word, I I, I think that. I'm in. I mean, like I said, there's there, there are certain boats of Magic fans. I'm in the boat of if the Magic hit 40 wins, and they're a game and a half, two games, no, not a game and a half, but they're into the playoff hunt until the very end of April or into into April. I think that's enough to say, okay, we clearly have something here. We still need to make some tweaks. We establish our defensive identity. We have something we can sell to free agents. We made the necessary progress we needed to make this year. Everything is. We're disappointed we missed the playoffs. We're frustrated we missed the playoffs. But everything is on track. What you don't want to have happen—that—that's—that's that's where I'm at. And, and if I think that happens, I'll be pretty. Ha- I'll be not sad. Like I said, not satisfied, not happy, but accepting and willing to give uh, another year to Rob Hennigan. Essentially, to say, okay, you got to the door. Now you got to knock it down this year. That now it's the time to, to to get going because now you have your core. You know who you are. You've got a year established under a coach, so on and so forth. So that that's where I'm at. I don't know if that's where the Magic are at. I I know plenty of fans who don't want to be there either. Like I said, there's there's a few boats of Magic fans here. Um, I'm kind of alone on that boat. Um, but what the Magic want to make sure they don't do is if it's time to rebuild again. If they miss the playoffs, if they're out of the playoffs in March or God forbid February, and their statistics suggest they could be out of the playoffs by February. If they're out of the playoffs much sooner than they want, if they get stuck at 35, 36, 37, maybe even 38 wins, they don't want to be in a position of having to rebuild and not having key long-term assets. That includes cap flexibility. That includes draft picks. I don't want to see the Magic give up a draft pick, a first-round pick for Rudy Gay, even if it's heavily protected. I don't want to see the Magic give up a draft pick, a first-round draft pick for Brandon Knight. I don't want to see them give up a first-round draft pick for Danilo Gallinari. Anything really short of, say, DeMarcus Cousins, who I don't think the Magic have any shot at getting. They just do not have the assets to get a big-time star like that who's on the market. I, unless they're getting a proven all-star already, and Rudy Gay's never been an all-star. Danilo Gallinari's never been an all-star. Brandon Knight's not an all-star. Unless they're getting a guy like, DeMar- like DeMarcus Cousins, essentially, the big fish probably on this trade market, they should not give up future assets like first-round draft picks. They should not be willing to sacrifice extensively cap room. Maybe they take on a bad salary to get the player that they want because, yes, 
this team probably does need an injection of something. They do need to make a trade. They do need to relieve some of the pressure that the roster construction has created where guys just aren't in positions to succeed or to, to be the best that they can be. And so maybe you have to bite the bullet and take a bad contract that you can find a way out of or wriggle a way out of or you can maybe even stretch. No one's, no one's really used the stretch provision, um, but, but that tool still exists. You just don't want to ruin your future to chase the eighth seed. Because we can still kind of see with this team, they've got a little bit of a ceiling. This team probably isn't a championship team, not without getting that one piece. And who knows how they're going to get that one piece that that centers and galvanizes the whole thing. They've got to spend money on Serge Ibaka this summer if they want to keep him. And that's a decision that's going to have to come in February whether they're going to keep him or not. So if if he's still on the roster past February... It should mean the Magic are pretty confident and pretty certain they're going to keep Serge Ibaka. They've got some decisions to make on players like Aaron Gordon and Alfred Payton. They can't pay everybody. And so the one thing you don't want to do with a roster that's set up to rebuild rather quickly, like if if the Magic are really struggling in January and February still, and they decide instead of becoming buyers and trying to find someone to help them get over the top and make the playoffs and salvage salvage this season in some way, and they decide to become sellers, they certainly can sell and set themselves up to rebuild again very quickly. To use whatever draft pick they get this year, you know, take another year, get a get a high draft pick again and move quickly up from there. And who knows? You know, maybe they get lucky this time and get the number one pick or get a number two pick in, in a pretty deep draft and set themselves up uh, for a quicker for a quicker build up because they, they get that that potential star. I know I said that the Magic are under extreme pressure to win now, but you can't ever lose eye on that future. You can't ever lose your focus on the bigger picture sometimes. And sometimes the Magic have had too much eye on the bigger picture or not enough eye on making sure this guy fits with that guy and, and we're building a team that can become something and not just kind of throwing talent out there and seeing what they can do. That's been the sense that, that they've had for the last four years, essentially. This trade market is going to be very, very interesting. Like I said, it's still in its infancy. I don't want to speculate too much. The trade market doesn't really open up until December 15th, but there are clearly some players out there that are seemingly available that the Magic should be very interested in and should be exploring. Uh, I'm sure they're exploring some of them right now, already. Um, Just not ready to make a deal. And for me, for my tastes... I don't think now is the time to make those trades. I don't think now is the time to get into serious trade discussions. I think now is the time to continue to evaluate this roster, see what they do on this road trip, see how they come home, see how they get through the holidays, knowing that you're probably going to have to make some move, but give them a chance still to germinate a little bit. They've gotten to the top five in defensive rating. The offense has shown some signs of life the last two games. Not great signs, but signs nonetheless. And see if you can build some momentum heading into the season. And, and of course, building some momentum makes your guys more marketable anyway. And so I, I, I think it's clear the Magic have to be active. And I think in the trade market, I think it's clear the Magic have to explore every move they can. But like I've said throughout this entire month of the season... 
it's not time to panic yet. There's still some time to develop and watch how things go. And if this team's going to tank, I know some people have suggested the Magic just pack it in for the season and tank already. It's going to happen naturally. This team's either going to be good enough or they're not. And I think the Magic will make that decision before February's deadline, which will be will come closer than than which will come sooner than we all think. Sorry for going a little bit longer. Like I said, it was a big issue podcast today, talking about some long term things. I know a lot of people have been wanting to get my perspective uh, and talk about uh, the the trade wins and, and how the Magic are going to approach the trade deadline. Again, remember we're 15 days from the trade market officially opening, so I hope I gave you some idea of, of what I'm thinking about for this team and what I think this team needs to really look at uh, when they make those discussions, when they make those calls, uh, as well as where the Magic are at in their rebuild and, and what how this season is is going um, as far as what they're seeing. Like I've seen a lot of good things. I've seen a lot of bad things. I, know, I, I think everyone can see this team needs something. They need to mix something up. They need to to you know relieve some of the pressure and make these pieces fit a little bit better but at the same time they have earned some rights to kind of figure some things out on their own they're 7 and 11 for crying out loud they're not far out of the playoff race at this early stage they got a lot of work to do still no one's denying that but they've done a lot of good things too and so I don't think that should be quite overlooked uh, like I said Thursday's game is going to be really really telling for the magic it's uh, it's another opportunity to build off of a good win get a win streak going. They've been they've been Jekyll and Hyde. They've been bad one week, good the next week. This is their good week. Um, so we'll see if they come out come out shining against the Memphis Grizzlies and see uh, what they can do there. Once again, you can follow the podcast on iTunes, Audioboom, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio. We do appreciate all the listens, all the downloads uh, that we've been getting there. Uh, I'll be doing, I'm hoping to do a mini mailbag. So if you have any additional questions, about the trade market, about the Magic's process, really about anything about the Orlando Magic. Uh, I'm hoping to do a mini mailbag tomorrow. Just drop us a line on Twitter, at LockedOnMagic, or you can tweet at me, at OmagicDaily, using the hashtag LockedOnMagic. I'll save your question and hopefully answer it on Friday's episode. You can also drop us a line on Facebook, like us there, at LockedOnMagic. I'll be collecting all those mailbag questions and doing a mailbag on OrlandoMagicDaily.com soon, but I do want to try and do mini mailbags on Friday. So send your questions in. I want to hear them, and I want to answer them to the best that I can, of course. Um, other than that, I've gone on way too long. This is this podcast is running near an hour. I do not mean to do that. I want to thank everyone for your patience, for your listen, for everything that you do. Magic take on the Memphis Grizzlies tonight at 8 p.m. We'll have a complete recap of that as well as a preview of the weekend. Two more games this weekend as well um, and some other goodies, I'm sure, to come on tomorrow's episode of Locked on Magic. For Locked on Magic and OrlandoMagicDaily.com, this has been Philip Rossman-Reich. We will see you all tomorrow. You are Locked on Magic, your daily Orlando Magic podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network. Your team every day. Ace is the place with the helpful hardware, folks. It's Ace's biggest LED light bulb sale of the year. Right now, buy one, get one free on our best-selling LED light bulbs. Our four-pack of LED bulbs is $9.99, and our two-pack of LED floodlights is only $12.99. Buy one, get one free. There's no limit on how much you can save, so stock up now. Hurry in. Buy one, get one free on long-lasting 10-year LED bulbs, now through Monday, only at your neighborhood Ace. See participating stores for details.